To all the killers and the hundred dollar billers. For real, because who ain't got no feelings? Feelings. Check it out now. Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101. This is Matthew Aaron. And today we have a special guest. Today we have Mr. John Jones. John Jones is the co-organizer of the Litecoin Charlie Lee event coming up in Taipei, Taiwan next week. Mr. John Jones is also the founder of the Taiwan Entrepreneur Club and the founder organizer of the NEO meetup in Taiwan. NEO being the coin out of China that is going moon like every week. And Mr. John Jones, what else do you do? I have a, a company I started called BlockCamp.io. You can check that out. The website is still in development. The idea is, as of now, uh, to, to be a blockchain consulting firm with the idea of building a blockchain DAP accelerator okay. in Taipei. Oh, wow. So we would like to help companies and developers create DAPs on Ethereum and NEO blockchain. Word. All right. Anyway, in this conversation, we're going to talk to Mr. John Jones. I really like saying his name. John Jones. John Jones. We're going to talk about smart contracts in real estate, NEO, how to organize meetups and crypto events, and why you should do this as, you know, whatever town you're in, small town, grassroots, why it's important, and talk a little bit about Bitcoin, the market, get to know John Jones a little bit, and see where the conversation takes us. Before we get into the conversation, though, I want to remind you, please, if you like our program, if you like Crypto 101, go to iTunes, rate us, leave a comment. It's helping us move up the chain, and people are becoming more aware of Crypto 101. So go on to iTunes, rate us, leave us a comment. And without further ado, Mr. John Jones. John Jones. For every rhyme I write, it's 25 the life. There was so much to get to trust, safeguard in my life. Ain't no time for hesitation. The only least to income. Man, you can, you can just like wrap out however you feel comfortable, what you're doing. I'm just going to just uh, talk and we're just going to have a conversation until we, we ex- exhaust all of you know, what we want to talk about. And where it goes where it, is where it goes. If we don't cover okay. all the points that we, we send each other, then you just hop in and say, I really want to talk about this. Or I'll just interrupt you and say, hey, we really should talk about this. And don't mind me because I cut people off all the time just because I, I get excited about the conversation. I just like jump in. I want you to cut me off. How about that? That's <laughs> right, cool, man. What kind of headphones are you rocking there? Audio Technica. Oh, nice, man. Those are the top of the line ones, man, for sure. Look at those leather. Maybe, maybe mid, mid-range. So, hey, man. No, anyway, it's nice to meet you. Th- thanks for coming on in, 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 uh, you know, in such a brief notice in, in doing this interview. Yeah, and, no problem. Hey, cool, man. And, you know, I'm, I'm in Taiwan. I saw this flyer that said, Charlie Lee's coming over to Taipei to do a talk. And then I was just talking to my friends. He's like, yeah, I know the organizer. I was like, word. Who is this guy, John Jones? And how did John Jones get into this? Yeah, how did he do that? <laughs> Good question. It's a, a mixture of luck and, and other things. But uh, So I grew up in upstate New York, All right. uh, about, about two hours north of New York City, um, in a little town, small town uh, called Red Hook, All right. right on the Hudson River. Any chance the beer's name after it? Uh, that's, in, that's closer to the city. It's in like Brooklyn. There's a different Red Hook. Yeah. Okay. Um, so when I was 17, I moved with uh, my parents to Cameroon, Africa. Oh, right. And we, yeah, we were there for two years. I was coaching basketball for uh, the American school there. 
and um, and I volunteered for a primate re- rehabilitation center. So they had like monkeys and, and apes and, and and such. So that was a good experience for a 17 year old. Yeah. And then I moved back to the states um, and I went to California with a friend and fell in love fell in love with California. By the way, where where are you from? Uh, I was born in Cleveland. Yeah, Ohio is nice. <laughs> no, it ain't. Man. Um, it's all right. California's better, I think. Yeah, yeah. for sure, for so, sure. I'm from New York, but I, I adopted California. But yeah, I, I set my eyes on going to school at UC Berkeley. Because I didn't want to pay out-of-state tuition, I went to a community college. Right. So I think that's a good job. And so I went to this school called Chabot and Hayward. And uh, during that time, I actually came to Taiwan to study Chinese. Okay. And so that was like 10 years ago. Yeah, so anyway, I got into UC Berkeley, studied political economy, and my last year at UC Berkeley, I learned about Bitcoin. And Wait, what year was time, this, uh, your last year in uh, university? 2011. Okay. And um, at the time, I didn't have any money, and I didn't feel like speculating into Bitcoin. And right. I didn't really – it's interesting because Berkeley is a place where people have this idea of you know, like revolution and changing the government. And for some reason, no one around me was telling me the philosophical aspects of, of Bitcoin. And uh, so I didn't really get into it. I didn't really study it. That's too bad. So I saw that I had friends that graduated before me having difficulty maintaining jobs or even getting a job like at the time in, in, Cal- in Northern California. Right. At that time, I was like, you know what? I enjoy living overseas. I decided, you know what? I just want to go to Taiwan. I, I want to I want to go back there. Taiwan's a great place. You live here. So this you is so this is where I cut you off. So you did you okay. meet your girlfriend? wife in Berkeley or did you meet her in Taiwan and then you guys kept a relationship this whole time? Okay, complicated. I met her in Korea. Oh, all right. She said, you should come to Taiwan. You can, uh, you should, you know, maybe study Chinese. At the time I was actually starting to study Korean. She's like, no, you should study Chinese. I was like, smart move. Probably there. a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I came to Taiwan, studied Chinese and we, uh, we were friends and then when we, then we were more than friends and now we are married and we have a two year old. So. Oh, right on, man. Congratulations. So, so you didn't get into Bitcoin in 2011. Then when did you nope. get in? But basically, uh, I got into I got into it about a year ago um, when I found out about Ethereum. And there was okay. a lot of buzz about Ethereum. Basically, study I, I watched like a hundred plus videos to really understand it, and it took a while. But I, at that point, I, I felt like, wow, this is the, really the future. You know, I work right. for a real estate company, and uh, the process of buying um, and selling a home could take uh, in, in, internationally. It could take three months. Right. Um, and if we can solve that with smart contracts um, by oh, getting wow. rid of third parties, the middlemen, you could basically you could digitize a title deed and buy it with a click of a button with, using Bitcoin or whatever currency. And, and within within a minute or a second, you could you could basically buy a property. So so blockchain will be able you you with the use of smart contracts will be able to. Uh, make real estate a liquid asset. That's interesting because my next episode coming out after this one is what is smart contracts? And I was trying to figure out like what are the ins and outs and what's the future of smart contracts? To be honest, I'm a little bit pessimistic with smart contracts right now. What do you think are some of the complications in smart contracts right now? A smart contract is just a mathematical equation, if-then statement. If this person does this, then this. So you're getting rid of the need for third parties. Right. Um, but the thing is that, like, for example, with real estate, like if you were going to digitize, a, like an asset, like a title deed of a property, mm-hmm. you need to have some third party that says, yes, they own this property right. and that you have the right, you have the right to, 
the legal right, according to your local or, or national government, to digitize this deed. Hmm. And so, you know, there, there will be the need for third parties that will um, make it more trustworthy. And so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm kind of supportive of uh, government regulation in that aspect because smart contracts will make things um, just so easy and amazing. And if you have some, you know, cryptocurrency in its past, it was the idea and the, the philosophy behind cryptocurrency or blockchain is decentralization, right? Right. But I think I think smart contracts, and I think there 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 will always be some level of uh, centralization or decentralization. It it just depends on the platform. So I don't know. I. I I have a good viewpoint of the future of smart contracts. And I think currently we don't see uh, the big use cases because they have to be imagined and those smart contracts have to be designed really well. Right. Just to pick your brain a little bit about smart contracts. So if the the whole of, say, the world was on a certain blockchain product protocol, let's just say the Ethereum uh, network, then basically you don't need those third parties then. You could have the D, title D dig digitized in the blockchain the permission of this person holding this title deed and the blockchain, and then the buy and sell of that just all working within the blockchain, right? Right. So that is correct. But the thing is that you run the risk of uh, national governments wanting to control the space. Of course. And I don't think that that's, that that's totally risky. I think that actually makes people more safe. Like if right. there's a platform, for example, that doesn't have a third party and, and so I'm in Taiwan and I want to buy uh, some real estate in London. Mm -hmm. If there's like a platform online, like a website where I can click of a button, buy a property, I, I still don't really know if that property is real. So I think there has to be some third parties that will help prove or verify that things are correct. And so I think that will happen more and more. So in the beginning, I think there'll, there'll be some centralization. Mm -hmm. there'll, there'll be some government uh, organization or some organization that uses the government uh, to back up digitization of some um, assets like a title deed. But yeah, I think we'll get to the point where it will be a completely trustless system where you can just trust that I can buy uh, this house with a click of a button without any third party. I think that'll happen, but right. I don't see that happening for another like five, 10 years. Yeah, John Jones on the phone from New York, living in Taiwan. He is the founder of the Taiwan Entrepreneur Club, the founder of the NEO uh, Meetup, and yep. now organizing the Charlie Lee uh, keynote. How did this all start? Got, got into crypto about a year ago, and now all of a sudden you're buddy-buddy with, with Charlie Lee, probably the, one of the biggest figures in cryptocurrency right now. Oh man! So I, I so I would love to just say, yeah, I uh, I have a good relationship with Charlie Lee. Actually, to be honest, I, I don't. I think a big topic, a big part of our talk is how you can run events and how you can start or how you can you know get to the point where you can have someone like Charlie Lee at your event. And it, and, and it's exactly. not because I know him directly. It's, yeah. First, how did you get started doing this? Why is it important? Okay. So I had uh, because I, I do consulting and I do consulting part time. 
um, I have some free time to run events. And so uh, two years ago, I, I started Taiwan Entrepreneur Club, or TEC, um, as a way of connecting with like-minded people. And uh, so we ran around 50-plus events just for networking. And so we would have our uh, networking events at bars and sometimes uh, like a co-working space. And so we held, we held around 50 events doing that. That's actually where I learned about um, blockchain. Mm -hmm. So I've only known about blockchain for about a year now uh, after you know, learning about Ethereum and smart contracts. So it's only been a year. And actually through networking is how I learned about it. And okay. so I think this is key uh, for, for people that want to get more people into cryptocurrency or blockchain you know, to go out and network and talk to people about it. It is, it, you said so, networking is um, key, just to go in there and just start going to events, like locally organized events and talking to people? Yeah. So like if you're not going to if you're not going to create your own group, definitely go to existing uh, business type entrepreneurial groups, uh, investing groups and just talk to people about it. Yeah. Network and just let people know that this is the future. So so if there are no groups around somebody's neighborhood, maybe you're in a small town in, let's just say, upstate New York, what do you do? Do you try to start it? And how, how did you start it? What, what was the first thing that said, you know, I'm going to start this, start getting these groups together, and was it was it nerve-wracking? Was it stressful? Was it scary? Did you think you were going to get guys in there and have nothing to talk about? What no, was that, that happened. That happened a lot in the beginning. <laughs> but uh, what I did is I got a group of friends together first, um, and I said, hey, guys, let's do this. Um, Try to. Would you like to help support me uh, in in creating this entrepreneur group, these networking events, and um, we got all different kinds of people. We had people that actually had businesses, like real entrepreneurs, right? And then we had people that just wanted to make friends, <laughs> right? And then we had uh, wannabe entrepreneurs. I thought I thought it was a really good mix, and and, and I really like uh, that we had wannabe on entrepreneurs. I think that that was. I think myself, I'm a wannabe entrepreneur, and I think. Um, I was really trying to find uh, something that I to to put passion in, and so so creating the group uh, was really helpful for me. And one of my friends, Jeremy Furster, he's a co-founder. You know, he's been helping for for a long time. And um, he after like our first uh, our first fifty events, we decided it was it was his idea. We should do speaker events. Like we should be more focused. Mm -hmm. Networking is not always, um, you know, just networking itself is, is not uh, going to maintain forever. What are some of the failures and some of the successes that you had? Like, like you said, you, there's some, sometimes uh, people got in there and they didn't talk to each other. I mean, I say that's a failure, yet you learn from it and now build. If I saw correctly, you had 4,000 people in the uh, Entrepreneur Club. Yeah, I think close to that. Yeah, uh, and it, that, that's huge. So, how did that build from people not talking to each other to four thousand people? Are they still not talking to each other? Or no, no, no. I mean, people <laughs> people came to the events and always talked to each other, but it just uh, it, it was uh, you know. So you have people that come for different reasons, and you know, you have people coming just to make friends, and you have people coming that um, work for a company, but like the idea of being an entrepreneur, and 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 sometimes you meet people. The same people come, and it's hard to it's hard to keep a conversation with certain people. The same conversation. If week you after haven't week, shown yeah. that, yeah, week after week. If you haven't shown that you've started something or, or grown from something, it's it's uh, you know it's a little bit difficult to keep up uh, that conversation. Right. But so, what, what what are some successes that you saw come out of this? 
seen some of my friends and some people that come to the to our events that actually connected with other people, and that I, I actually feel a lot of energy uh, when I see that. When I see that I made some kind of connection mm-hmm. through the through through our events, um, it gives me some energy and a sense of purpose. And I think that's important. Like I think the motivation should come from something greater, um, something a little bit more than self gain or making money. Um, I think self-gain or self-interest is important um, always. I think you need to have something. But I guess my self-gain was um, being able to increase my network, feeling good by connecting other people. I think right. when you give, you can receive. So right. I felt good through that. But uh, for people that are focusing on cryptocurrency and blockchain, um, I think they can focus uh, maybe on, for example, the philosophy behind blockchain, like mm-hmm. the centralization um, how banks shouldn't use a fiat system to, as a system of control um, to bank the unbanked. Um, mm-hmm. I think there needs to be something that motivates you in the long term instead of just um, you know, promoting some ICO or, um, you know, or pumping some coin right. and then moving on to the next one. I think there needs to be uh, something substantial that, you, that drives you. Your NEO meetup, for, for example. When, yeah. when, when you started Neo, did you have organized like topics to talk about? Did you have speakers? Did you say, okay, today we're going to talk about ne- how to transfer Neo to Neo Gas and take Neo Gas and what exchanges you can you know buy and sell it on? Or like, what, what was the, the structure? I okay, so I I made a mistake in my first event actually, <laughs> and so I, I I basically connected with the team, the Neo team. Basically asked them if I could represent Neo in Taiwan and run a meetup, and they said, "Sure, do it." And uh, they said, "What we, you know, they told me don't focus on price, don't focus on investment. We we don't want to focus on that. We want development. We want real development." And, mm-hmm. and that's like that makes me like talking about substance. Right. Like that that made me even more excited. So, so I, I started the first event, and uh, basically. It was a meetup event, and it said it was very vague, and it said Neo Meetup, join the team, because mm-hmm. I wanted I wanted other people to join me, and uh, create something like the wonderful Ethereum community here. This was this and, was about two three months ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I remember seeing that, and I was like, oh, join the right. team. I'm I'm going to go with the Taipei. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, we had the event, and it was a good group of people, and um, we had some really good conversations. But I made a mistake by by thinking that the people that came were already interested or invested or knew something about Neo. And it was mm-hmm. quite the opposite, actually. And people mm-hmm. are actually coming to learn. And so I, I didn't prepare enough. Okay. Uh, I know a lot about Neo and I know how to talk about it, but I didn't really prepare enough like a slideshow or anything. Right. I prepared a little bit, but it wasn't the purpose of the event. Right. And I quickly realized that in the beginning when people started to come and talk to me, I was like, oh shoot, I, I, now I have to actually give an intro into Neo. Right. And so I did, but it wasn't enough. And um, that was my mistake. Uh, to assume that people came that would want to join the team, people were just either thinking about investing or they were already in, maybe invested. And there were zero developers out of like 20 people. So that was the the first event. Our second event kind of got messed up with the hurt. There was a typhoon that came. Right. I think the next event that we have will be towards educating the community a little little bit. I got into Neo as well as Anshares. And I was was looking at Anshares when it was, you know, 
uh, on like under a buck, 60 cents, I think it was. Yeah, had a market cap of 30 million. And I was, and uh, I don't know if you ever listened to the podcast, but I was, I was looking at Anchors and I was like, man, how can anybody take anything seriously with a stupid with cartoon ant? Yeah. And I was like, man, this ain't going to go. Okay, fine. It goes up to, you know, 300 million and then it's Dogecoin and, and drops off the face of the earth, you know? <laughs> And, and, then yeah, I just, that, and then I heard the rebranding and I was like, shit, I got to get in. I got in and then the ICO thing in China uh, freaked me out and I sold all of my NEO. That's okay. I mean, depending on what time that was, you know, could have been good. But <laughs> it, 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 was, it was minorly good, but not as good as it was when it was at 50 bucks for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I held, I've been holding since two, $2. So I never sold... Um, and of course, hindsight, I sold like when it went to 14 and then, you know, bought back when it went to four and right. then like sold again when it was at 55 or whatever. Right. Um, but I've, I've, I've been holding and, and I guess it's that um, I, I moved away from buying and selling because it was taking up a, a lot of my time um, and I, I wanted to do something. Like right. meaning. And so, uh, you know, I just put it you know, hid it away in very safe place, you know, a wallet and, uh, you know, want to focus on development. Of, Actually, yeah. those are going to be my questions at the end is how you feel about the crypto space. But let's keep talking about the events for a minute. Talking about the events, we, we, you, hmm. Actually, give me a second. Let me get organize my thoughts. I was all excited about talking about Neo and, Neo and trading. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'll, I'll go through a little bit about like, uh, the events. And I, I want to give some points. Like if there are people out there that want to start their own events, okay. right. I'd like to give you some, um, please man, roll it out. We already talked about the motivation, right. Mm -hmm. And I think we can go beyond that. So if you have the right motivation, that's great. The second thing is don't just create a cryptocurrency group or a blockchain group. Because you're just going to be preaching to the crowd. If you really want blockchain and cryptocurrency to flourish, you need to teach people that don't really know about it yet. So right. if you want to t attend events of a current meetup, uh, like a business entrepreneur club, go to those. If there's nothing in your area, create your own. Mm -hmm. um, if you live in a small town, maybe go to the nearest city. And right. create a meetup group, and you know you want like I'm in Taipei, and you know you, you have a lot of people here that you could reach out to, and, right. and if you know you're in Tainan or you're I'm in Tainan, um, yeah, yeah, so you're in a big city, and either attend events in a big city or create your own, and create something that's not specifically blockchain or crypto related. Create like right. an entrepreneur club, an investment club. That's a very and, good idea. Um, and make sure that you're not just self oriented. Don't just frame the event with your interest. Only like create events that al allow people to talk about anything. But what you're trying to say is you're making a platform. You're making a platform right. for all kinds of financial conversations. Cryptocurrency just happens to be one of those. So that's a good way to start. Okay. So then I guess fast forwarding, like when you have a platform, when you have a group. So if you create your own group, it's one thing. If you go to events, try to build a relationship with the organizer mm -hmm. and slowly ask them if you can help uh, do a blockchain specific event mm. in his group. Oh, right on. You can kind of let, you can yeah, teach them about blockchain or have your own specific event through that group. Mm -hmm. And so then you're not preaching to the crowd. Right. Now, if you, if you create your own group, of course you can create those events as well, just by yourself because you decide to, because you're the organizer. So. Right. Yeah. So if you are the organizer, if you're organizing your own group, 
the best things to do to have a, a like a networking event is to do it at a bar. Mm-hmm. You can do it for free right? at a bar, a cafe. Like right. you don't have to pay anything to do that uh, for the most part. And then when you, if you want to do speaker events, find a local co-working space. This is really good. A co-working space. Okay. So there's a lot of co-working spaces in Taipei, and they usually have a, a big public area, mm-hmm. and they want to promote their space uh, for people to rent offices. So they usually allow to um, like meaningful speaker events at right. their venues. Would so this, this also is- work for people in the states too? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, there's tons of uh, co-working space spaces popping up around the U.S. Like, we work. Okay. Uh, yeah. there's, there's- this is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So many, like Brooklyn, something, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, this applies to people in the U.S. as well. Okay. Go to a co-working space, talk to the general manager or the CEO or whatever. Depends on how big the place is. Uh, and just say, hey, can we have an events events here? And then we can ha- we can like during the event we can just have a shout out for your co-working space and maybe because we focus on entrepreneurs, maybe some of these people will rent out your space. Right. So that's a good a good way to, to have events. That's a good way. Yeah. Do it with a low with zero cost. And also you can get outside sponsors if you want, for example, to have food or drinks. You can have an outside sponsor that you mention during your event. Say, hey, this, like, for example, one of our sponsors is MyCoin in Taiwan. They're okay. an exchange here. They're, they're the ones that are heading up this Litecoin event. They're, they're using our group as a way to bring the people. I see, I see. Right, and that's, that's where we come in with, with, with Litecoin and, and MyCoin. So MyCoin is a Taiwanese exchange that, that has been sponsoring our events, and now we're kind of helping them sponsor this Litecoin event. I so see. that's so kind of how that works. When, when somebody's uh, having an event and they're, they found their space, they found what they want to do, entrepreneur club um, or some kind of like platform to get all kinds of people in there, what, how do you get these the speakers? How do you get these other people to come in here and convince them that there's gains? If you're going to these things, you know, a lot of people have their different motiva- motivations. And sometimes right. people don't know their motivations. And especially if you're asking for a speaker, like, hey, man, I got a small group. There's 20 guys here, but I think you're really important in the industry. Um, I want you to come over. And he's like, it's not worth my time. How do you make this valuable for the, some of these people? Right. And that's, that, that is a difficult thing because, you know, you have many people that have – some self-interest in, in having events and many people contact me and we have to be so careful because there's like these, um, you know, multi-level marketing people that always want to contact you and do events and you're just like, no, oh, man, just yeah. block them. Yeah. It's difficult. And, uh, sometimes like consulting companies are cool to have events like that. A consulting company will, will actively help educate people. And then they have a company, a consulting company, in, you know, as their that's their motivation for doing the event, because uh, maybe they'll they'll find clients uh, right. that want their consulting, and right. yeah, that it's difficult, and you can't have you can't accept any every event, and 
And yeah, if you're reaching out to people, it's not always easy. Have you then have it, you ever reached out to somebody and, and just had like a big string or, or yeah, a big string of no's where everybody just said, nope, ain't doing it. Nope, ain't doing it. And, I, and if so, how do you keep your motivation? So the people in the group, in our club, they organically network for me or for our group. Mm-hmm. Um, they find speakers and they contact me. And so that has been working quite well. Um, we have less events because of that. But um, but maybe they're more quality. Yeah, I understand what you're saying when organizing events. I used to run a, a venue in uh, Shanghai, and we would have we would have events come through. And if we weren't careful, we would always get the the financial marketing guys, you know, that try to get you signed up and say, "I'll, I'll manage your manage your funds and you know get you involved with like invest with our company, this that or the other thing." Yeah. And then they just go around and just hand their business cards to everybody, trying to pitch them trying to get their money and people just hated it. So it was like, you really had to have this like very like kind of, I don't want to say asshole barrier, but it says like, you guys can't come. You guys can come. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's I, real. It, it might, it might be a little if different. You, if you, you don't that, if you don't do that, your group will just destroy. It'll just, it won't work out. You know, you have to have a sense of control of who, who can come and not. And we had a line group with our entrepreneur club mm-hmm. and it kind of just broke down actually. Taiwan's awesome, by the way. I don't. Taiwan's the best place in the world, so I don't want to say anything <laughs> negative, negative about Taiwan. But sometimes foreigners that come here, um, they they sometimes conflict with 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 Taiwanese and politically or or socially or, and so we had different arguments and we had to kick people and that kind of ruined our chat group a little bit. And I feel kind of bad for right, that. Right. That's what happens when you have a community. It's difficult to to manage the people. Manage it and keep it cohesive and yeah. Keep it on target and on track. There are I asked this for everybody that I interview. There who okay. is the who is the one person that you look up into the crypto space or the one company? Okay, okay. So that's really difficult for me because I cannot name one person because because each each person has their own self interest. Okay. And so I am aware of that. And I, what I try to do is I try to listen to many different people. Mm-hmm. And um, so some examples are Vitalik from Ethereum, mm-hmm. Andreas Antonopoulos. Right. He's like a Bitcoin philosopher. Right. <laughs> uh, I like box mining. Do, do, do you know box mining? Uh, no, I don't actually. He has some good reviews and videos in the crypto space. And he goes to China and he goes to different events. He has a lot of decent content. Okay. A guy named Richard Hart, and he's like an early investor in Bitcoin. He's kind of a Bitcoin maximalist, and I'm not, but I like to listen to him speak because I find him to be intelligent and entertaining. Mm-hmm. One thing I suggest to people is don't just listen to people that you agree with. Right. <laughs> don't put yourself in a bubble, your own little bubble of like, I only listen to people that like Neo or... You know, right, exactly. You know, you need to... Because you will get in trouble by doing that. And so I, I think it's important that you have a wide ra- uh, range of people that you listen to and, and uh, that you look up to. So then when, which one of these people do you disagree with that you just mentioned? It's not that I disagree with them. Like, for example, Richard Hart, I'm not a Bitcoin maximalist. And he, does, he believes that all the altcoins are, you know, crap coins. Right, right. And so I don't that, agree That's a nice way that. to put it. We're, we're, right. you, you, I, you say shit coin. It's okay. Oh, I can say that. Nice. <laughs> I don't believe that, but at the same time, I I want to see Bitcoin grow, and I want to I want to see Bitcoin to be the number one. It's still it's the number one coin now. It's the number one platform. 
Do you- and so I want to see Bitcoin grow because, you know, the public, the 99.9% of the people that aren't in blockchain and cryptocurrency, they know about Bitcoin. And I want I want the Bitcoin price to go to 100,000. So those people are <laughs> well, looking too. at Bitcoin. <laughs> and even if I'm not invested in Bitcoin, but those people are looking in Bitcoin and saying, there's value. Some, somehow someone values Bitcoin. Do you think that Bitcoin, because this past three months with Bitcoin has been very political and complex. Do you think that Bitcoin is kind of screwing itself from the inside? Yes. And do you think that and, it can get to that? Okay, here's the, okay, I have multi multifaceted question. Sorry. Do okay. you think Bitcoin is screwing itself from the inside? Do you think that uh, that $100,000 Bitcoin is possible with, with all this political shit that's happening? And the third one, do you think that, uh, how do I want to say this? Let's just go for those two first. <laughs> okay. I'm, uh, I'm a little bit upset about what's happening with Bitcoin because I think that the Bitcoin community is hurting itself. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit sad, I think, um, yep. because I think if this didn't happen, Bitcoin would have more attention and people would value it more. And there are, there are others that say that, no, like, the value of Bitcoin is increasing because of these forks, mm-hmm. because of Bitcoin Cash and because of Bitcoin 2X and because of what Bitcoin Gold, that people are actually the price, the overall price of Bitcoin when you add it all up is increasing like more and more. And so some people say that this also brings it in the news and people are looking at Bitcoin and what's this thing of Bitcoin forking? And so there are a group of people that say, hey, this is great. Like if you just own just own Bitcoin and then you get these free airdrops or these forks of, of these new Bitcoins, which is new money created. And so some people support that just because, but right. I, don't, I don't like that. I don't like that. I think that it, it will divide the Bitcoin community mm-hmm. and it will hurt the price in the future. But towards your second question, do I believe that Bitcoin will reach 100,000? Yes. Do you think that's going to force these governments to slap regulations on Bitcoin and more governments? And do you think that that could hinder that 100,000 mark? Because I I guess why I asked that, I guess I could frame this a little better, is I've always been a a vocal advocate for cryptocurrency to regulate itself. So the governments don't have to take extreme measures in the future when they see shit go tits up. And when shit goes tits up, it's going to be... A lot of people, the masses, are losing a lot of money, then falling back on government support or um, just making better business bureau complaints about this, that, or the other thing. And then the government has no other option but to act drastically. And I I see things like this fork and scam coins and ICOs and things like that forcing the hand of governments to say, we have to do something, and this is not helping. The the whole purpose of... Of Bitcoin and the creation of blockchain is this idea of decentralization. Mm-hmm. So there are there are a big group of of people that believe that you know it's that if government intervenes or regulates Bitcoin or blockchain that that's a that's a very negative thing. Mm-hmm. And some people believe that if that happens, blockchain and Bitcoin will collapse. Mm-hmm. And there's another big there's another group of people that believe that. Um, that actually some sense of regulation will help blockchain technology and Bitcoin and all the other coins. And I'm kind of, um, 
I'm kind of in support of both. I think that certain countries will regulate blockchain, like the U.S. and then China. That regulation will actually bring in industry money, like big money will enter into blockchain if it's regulated right. and when it's regulated. Right. And I, I don't think people realize the wave that is coming. Even people in cryptocurrency, they don't realize the wave of banks and, mm -hmm. and these funds and these VCs that are looking at Bitcoin. This wave is coming and it will come when there's more regulation. That is going to bring a whole new level of adoption and um, price increase. <laughs> right. We had a meetup a couple of weeks ago, or no, a week ago, called Block Invest, Block Invest, and it's just a group of guys, but a lot of them were bankers. A lot of them were VC guys, and they were just saying how, yeah, people really don't know that these banks are like looking to put cryptocurrency into their funds, mm. and they can only do that when it's regulated. Mm. And so I'm kind of in, in support of regulation because of that. I think there should be a balance of regulation and unregulated. You know, I don't think you can regulate blockchain in general. Right. But if you create some laws that allow um, people to do it without these scammy ICOs, and if you create laws that maybe allow for some sense of taxation, I don't know. I'm not really in support of that. But it will bring more, more confidence in the market, yes. Yeah. And so, for example, we talked a little bit about NEO mm -hmm. uh, earlier. So I, I'm, I help represent NEO in Taiwan. And there was a lot of FUD about China, and China's regulating the ICO market and such. And, uh, oh, a shit ton. So maybe we can, yeah, there's a lot, right? Oh, man, that's why I sold I told you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see regulation as a good thing in, the, in that sphere. Right. And, uh, and maybe it's because I'm a little bit closer with the NEO team. Um, I've known, I know the, the founder, Da Hongfei, and I know the, uh, the business development team. Mm -hmm. And I know that, that NEO is, from the beginning, even before this news, they stated that they want to be regulatory compliant. They want to make sure they're they're abiding by the rules. Right. Because they don't want to be shut down, right? right? I mean, they want to make sure that they can keep things running. And if they are in that position in Shanghai, in China, to have some sense of regulatory compliance, there's a lot of value in that, I think, in the future. So do you think um, that that Neo is that one company that you think is going to have the greatest impact on crypto space? In the short term, um I hope in the long term. What's your What's your general advice that you have you have to give people in the crypto space or new people coming into the market? Do your own research. Do your due diligence. Try not to trust one source. Have as many sources as you can. Make sure not to only be in some Facebook group or Telegram that promotes what you believe already. Right. Try to get a wide variety of views in a better way. There's a lot of money to be made currently in ICOs, pump and dumps. Right. But I hope I hope people can try to commit a little bit more to a single platform. Try yeah. to commit to something. Whether it be Bitcoin, Ethereum, Neo, whatever it is, pick one, pick a couple, commit to it and try to help the community. Help the community, yeah. Yeah man. And I think that's important. I, I think there needs to be a sense of substance in the cryptocurrency sphere. When people get into cryptocurrency and they're gonna you're gonna say commit to something, they're scared, man. Some people are just scared. And and that's one of the things that I really like about the crypto 
sphere, if you will, is right. that you can have, you know, the mom and pop, the waiter, the waitress, the plumber, the construction worker put 200 or 300 bucks in there and finally try to proactively make gains with their with their money instead of having it be sitting in a bank or and they have these decisions. However, they are they're rightfully have have a fear about that. And you know, what if they lose that 300 bucks, which could be a lot for somebody? What is one of your fears that you have in the crypto space and what do you say to people that you know are have a little fear about, you know, investing into the one thing and not following just all the FOMO and the FUD and the the hype? If you're not spending a lot of time doing due diligence and researching a certain platform, I would suggest not to invest in one thing. I mean that that would probably be a better thing to say. It's a safer bet to have a portfolio, but have a long-term portfolio. Don't don't keep switching, don't keep going with the hype. said you teamed up with MyCoin. MyCoin got Charlie to come out here. What are some of the challenges of bringing, is he a high profile person to bring out? And what was like some of the logistical challenges of bringing somebody like Charlie Lee to an event in Taiwan? Well, what's great is because we are partnering with MyCoin, which is the Taiwanese exchange. They are doing all that work. Where usually when I, when I run events, I have to do all the work of, mm -hmm. of setting up, uh, making sure this the seats are set up and at the co-working space and, and getting everything, all the logistics taken care of, making sure we have some food and drinks uh, that are, you know, donated to us by a group. Um, what's great about this event is that I'm mostly hands off on this okay. event. I think we're going to be out the door. There's going to be people that aren't going to have seats. They're going to be outside the door. There's going to be so many people there. It's going to be ridiculous. So when you have an event like this, and I, honestly, I was thinking about coming up from Tainan to go come to the event. Right. Um, but I don't know what to expect. What do people expect when it comes to an event like this? Um, we, we, we talked about grassroots, you know, um, organic events where you get, you know, people together, maybe local business owner, entrepreneurs, things like that. But when people are mm -hmm. coming, you know, for a, such a high profile person, what, what, what do they expect? And then what does Charlie expect out of it? So I think most people that are coming coming already know everything about Litecoin. So I don't think people are coming to learn more about Litecoin. So I think a, a big motivation for some people are just to meet Charlie mm -hmm. Lee, right? The founder of Litecoin. Uh, they want to feel like they're meeting a, a cryptocurrency celebrity in a sense, right? right. So that's, that's one part. And that's a bit weird. Um, another part is <laughs> maybe like for me, I'm doing it for, for a certain reason, but actually what I'm excited about is not to see Charlie Lee, but is actually to network with people that actually, mm -hmm. that come to the event. I mm -hmm. want to increase my network, and that's why I'm excited about going. And then there's certain yeah. people, there's there's the um, autograph sort of thing, and then there's the uh, <laughs> the fanboys. Probably. I hope not. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, there'll definitely be the fanboys that come and, and be like, yeah, I like coin. Uh, but I think that you asked what what motivation does Litecoin have? Yeah, exactly. And I could only guess because my coin didn't tell me 
the motivation or the reason why he's coming because it was secret. But my guess was that they were going to put Litecoin on their exchange. Okay. That was my guess. And yesterday on MyCoin's website, they put Litecoin on their website. So oh, wow. you, can't, you can't currently buy Litecoin using Taiwan dollars. But I think after this event, you will. Is, I, yeah. wonder, I wonder how that conversation went down. Like, hey, can I go on your, on your exchange? You want to come out <laughs> and do an event? Are you serious? Yup. I, you know, it, it, it was probably my coin who, who reached out to Charlie mm-hmm. and just said, hey, if you come out here, we're interested in putting Litecoin onto our platform. Could you come out and just, I don't know, take out the scissors and cut the ribbon and we'll, we'll launch Litecoin on our platform. My last question, I think, is the most important question of the day. Okay. Are you, are you ready for this? I'm ready. What three songs do you want with your interview? All right, so that's a very important question. So I, I picked three songs, um, and I kind of wanted to pick a, a mix of different genres. All right. And the first song will be Mob Deep, Shook Ones, Part 2. Oh, shit, okay. Yeah, All right. that's real. That's deep. That's real. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the second one is Muse, Uprising. All right. All right. Okay. And the third is uh, a band I like called Guster. And the song is Barrel of a Gun. All right. I never heard that one. I tried to find some meaning for for the choices that I picked. So the first one's, uh, you know, Mob Deep Shook Ones. And it's kind of my feeling of cryptocurrency rising out of the dark net era. And what's the meaning of the other two? Okay. So Muse and Uprising is the philosophical aspect of blockchain technology. Uh, the the idea of decentralization and of uh, anarchy. All right. And the third song is doesn't have so much meaning. It's Guster Barrel of a Gun, and it's just a lighter indie rock song that we can kind of end our end our conversation with. Cool, man. Right on, man. That's that was very thoughtful. The the, the meanings behind the songs. <laughs> I tried. I tried too hard. You you tried very hard. <laughs> hey, John, Mr. Jones. Thank you very hey. much for the conversation. No problem, man. Thanks, Matthew. I'm really happy to, to be able to do this. This is my first podcast. This is yes, my first. Yes, sir. Yeah. It's my first podcast that I've been on. I, so I wanted to make it special. I am starting a weekly uh, YouTube with um, Varium and Vericoin as the sponsor. And okay. I, would, I would hope to bring you back on and maybe we can do a YouTube video. Maybe a catch up. Okay. All right. As always, you can find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, Tumblr, Crypto 101, Twitter, Crypto underscore underscore 101, Instagram, Crypto underscore 101. You can find us on a couple of blogs now, WordPress, Steam it, and you can email me at crypto.101 at outlook.com. I love to hear your emails. Send me a, a direct message in Twitter, you know, whatever. It's cool. Send me messages. Say what's up. Ask me questions. I get emails all the time about questions, different things, saying that, please explain more from a a podcast or, hey, you just didn't explain it well. Can you please try again? (laughs) But yeah, just send it over. Anyway, thank you very much. Crypto 101, this is Matthew Eric. Go ahead, man. What did you just say? Okay, (laughs) we have to rephrase this. I just stopped the recording. Now I'm coming back on because you said some brilliant shit right there. You drop you drop some logic on us. Okay. 
Yeah, no, no, I was just saying that um, in, in the beginning of the talk, you mentioned about a Charlie Lee event and how, was, how, how I personally was able to just uh, able to bring Charlie Lee to Taiwan and to run this event. And I was a little bit taken aback because I didn't really want to, uh, I didn't want to express that it was totally my doing or my responsibility that this, ah, I, it's hard to, it's hard to do this when we're recording. <laughs> the the, 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 the more genius the, only comes out when the recording stops. The, the more of the story was, you, you said that you don't have to directly know Charlie Lee to have a great event and bring great people out. And I, I think I think that was an amazing moral of the story. I think that people who listen to this that are in the upstate New York small town, um, and that we what we want to do with this show and, and talking to you is get the people in where I'm from, you know, Northeast Ohio. For when you're from upstate New York, go out and make a group. Maybe in their local bar. Maybe you only have ten people there. Say, come out. Let's talk about cryptocurrency, or let's have an entrepreneur group and talk about these new things coming out. And just because we're in a small town, in a local bar, we can still have great things happen. Yeah, you can still influence people on a different level, right? And it 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 all comes down to uh, the connection connections that you make, and and you don't have to be the only one that runs an event by yourself. That you don't have to know Charlie Lee personally, you know, to 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 get all these things to to work. You have to be able to know people work with other uh, other organizations and it's kind of a patchwork things kind of just fit together right but i don't know if i can if i can do justice to what i said earlier no yeah. <laughs> i think i think the meaning is there and that's what I, I think the most important thing is the meaning behind it and what you, people like you are out there pounding the pavement to get people into cryptocurrency oh yeah Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.